0: Hey GearHeads and welcome to Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I'm Corey.
1: And I'm Matt. And each week this podcast will serve as a catalyst for discussion on all sorts of topics that grind our gears, rev our engines, or just need a bit more conversation.
0: I would say this week's episode definitely applies there because one of the biggest questions you and I are asked all the time, as well as our friends in the industry, is where have all the cars gone?
1: The lots look naked. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: People are asking me if such and such dealership is closed. Like, what what has happened here? What is going on there? Yeah. You and I have talked in previous episodes about how there are, like, three cars on.
1: Yeah, dealers are trying to hide the fact that there's no cars there by lining the edge of the parking lot, bumper to bumper, the cars, so you can't see past them to the empty space. Right.
0: So, it has definitely gotten to a very, very interesting... uh, dynamic that there are no cars to be had nationwide and
1: pretty historic moment
0: right and so we actually have the opportunity we sat down with the general manager of a local buick gmc dealership here in tyler texas hall is the dealership in question hall buick <laughs> i almost said buick pontiac gmc <laughs> <laughs> that's dating me right there a little bit yeah <laughs> but hall buick gmc hall has it and uh, GM in question is Monty Hall. Uh, we're very grateful not only for him taking the time to just come on and share a little bit of insight with us, but to be frank and honest about what's yeah. going on. Like, you know, car dealers have this reputation of being shady individuals. And Monty isn't one of them. Oh I, yeah, I can no. tell you that He was,
1: he was super straight shooter and, and was very frank about, you know, hey, if you want a vehicle, we can order it for you. Yeah, but it'll be December before it gets here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if if you're going, you know, with the yeah, small it, it, small it, Buick Encore, but yeah, even basically, yeah, like you said, gave us tips for as consumers, how do we go about getting the one that we want? Yeah, if we want it now or now ish. Yeah, and so we're just incredibly grateful. Why don't we just go ahead and jump in, on into the episode, and uh, we'll pick you up on the other side. Well, Monty, uh, we are just blessed to have you on this week to talk uh, a little bit of car news and help shed a light on something that many of our listeners have been coming to us and asking us about, as well as just in general confused about as they drive by dealerships around the uh, around the nation, and that is uh, the current inventory issue uh, plaguing car makers and car dealers here locally and, I guess... Nationwide.
2: Yeah. So yeah, number one question I'm getting is where's all the cars. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. People keep coming to me. They're like, Hey, did the, did such and such dealership close? And I'm like, Nope, they just can't get any vehicles right now. So why oh, yeah. don't we just kind of dig in from your perspective as a general manager of a major dealership here in Tyler, Texas. Uh, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are your frustrations? Uh, so, to speak.
2: Well, I think, it, you know, and, and basically, I appreciate you guys having me on here. It, it, the thing is, is to kind of shed some light on all of this, you know, the whole semiconductor chip shortage, if you will, is really driving it all. Right. And, you know, I watched a, a really interesting piece on 60 Minutes here probably about two or three weeks ago, maybe longer. It's about 13 minutes, and then you can probably find it online. And they really did a fine job of summarizing. You know how that's happened. Why is it going on? You know, 70% of the chip manufacturing and and production or supply for the world comes out of Taiwan. Right. The other, there was a large. They call them fabs, is what the the com- the plants are that make these chips. A the large one in in Japan that caught fire and that got knocked offline. We've got Intel here in the U.S. and Arizona, and that's our largest one. And there's some smaller players or whatever, but by and large. It's really kind of uh, in Taiwan's. that's their deal, 100%. So, uh, and anyway, so back to your, what your plan, your original point is, you know, the chips basically, they're like a, a year out or more when you're ordering chips oh. for large uh, companies and the kind of supply we're talking about as far as units go. So that's not a supply chain that's like, turn it on tomorrow and turn it off, you know, you just click it on and off, it doesn't happen that way. Right think what happened was when the pandemic got rolling, we're seeing the wave of what created the, the two-month plant shutdown that was worldwide for every car plant was shut down for a solid two months. Right. Wow. You, and it's already a tight inventory, so if you take two months of production out, that is a big ripple effect. But then it was compounded, I think, this year by, I don't think people saw it coming. the rebound and the demand. I think everybody just, uh, you know, we were still selling vehicles uh, to some extent and actually pretty decent numbers during the pandemic. However, you know, limited or different that was. But this year when, you know, first quarter rolled around, even coming into the holidays, kind of see something was going on. People were getting kind of sick and tired of being at home.
1: Yeah, right. And (laughs) uh,
2: and, and, and here it came. And, And, you know, we had good inventory at that time but nothing to withstand the demand that was going on. And then, so then the final wave comes to hit us where this chip shortage piece comes into play, and it really affects a lot of different components, packages, things like that on the vehicles, and shuts down certain elements that you couldn't even get those vehicles or whatever. So uh, that's what's happening. All that stuff is, is getting gobbled up before it even gets to the lot, and uh, it's changing the way not just the dealer does business, but I think also it's making the manufacturer take a pause and look at it as well.
0: Right. So you and I, we talked a little bit before we hit the record button just about uh, how it's impacting what you're ordering and what you are able to get. So uh, speak to a little bit about how it's impacting the actual end product that you see on the lot and that consumers can purchase. Right.
2: Well, like I was saying off the air, you know, every week we have, uh, you know, what they call a order cycle processor. every week they're looking at, okay, these orders are going to the plant. And this is traditional manufacturing, too, to keep in mind, because some of the other import uh, manufacturers, you know, Toyota, Honda or whatever, have different models where they're kind of like cookie cutter. They just this is how this is an LX comes like this, comes like this. There's no other options comes with mats or air you know that's it <laughs> where where you know traditionally trucks and suvs and american producers have been so custom made for right? so many years yeah. and and getting less and less as they get more option packages but you can build like a, a full-size gmcc or pickup about every which way they're realizing now and they're called this focused ordering process that gm is kind of Really almost enforcing on the dealers to say, look, if your vehicles are not within the focused ordering deal, and they're trying to get the fastest moving packages, the best stuff that is uh, buildable within the chip constraints to get dealers to do that, to keep things rolling. But the things that were really impacted, and I mentioned that before, was uh, off the air, was the park assist on full-size pickups. We're going to see large Sierra and Silverado inventory this summer that won't have the sensors in the front and rear bumpers um, there's going to be uh, Some of your higher-end vehicles like AT4s and Denali's you may not see the tech packages on there with the heads-up display and the 360 camera or um, another thing that uh, was a big one was uh, NHT package which is the heavy trailering package for the pickup because the IntelliLink uh, system and the infotainment system in the pickup—it's got this pro tra- tra- uh, trailer grade, uh, Pro Trailer Max package where you know it, it looks at everything. It sees, right. hey, are my lights working? Uh, what's the name of my trailer? You know, all these different things. All of those, uh, you know, electronics really are really what's impacting everything. And you're going to start seeing vehicles that uh, you know. And actually, I used to have people ask me about vehicles like that. You know, do you, do you make one with less stuff on it? (laughs) Like, can, can I get like the jitterbug of cars? Yeah. You know, that's really basic and doesn't have a lot of stuff on it. That's (laughs) You'll probably you'll have an opportunity to buy some of that stuff here this summer.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've spent a lot of time on, on uh, building price pages and things like that on all the different manufacturers websites. And to, to confirm what you were saying a minute ago, the immense amount of options is ridiculous. Like you change this and you click that and this changes and the price goes from, you know, 42000 to 52000 and then you click this and it drops it. It's, I can't imagine what it's like on a normal basis on your end of things trying to manage an entire fleet of vehicles and then to add in on top of that having to deal with the technological constraints of not having these chips. It's insane.
2: Right. That, that, and that's what that's what we have to wade through each week is, is they'll roll out with uh, constraints, you know, like they'll dole out like, okay, you can build like, uh, you know, four SLTs this week, a couple Denalis, but you can't get the tech package or you can't get this or that package. And, and like I was mentioning off the air too, some of those packages or some of those individual items that are that are controlled by a chip are in a option package that okay i can't build that package well then that wipes this out you know like uh on an at4 gmc at4 pickup for example the preferred package is you got to have a preferred package to actually put a sunroof on it oh wow and if i can't build a preferred package I'm building an AT4 that's just a standard AT4, and you're going to see a lot of that stuff this summer, which is going to be a little bit different, Yeah. where you'll see some some significantly lower priced, because if you look at a base AT4 with a 5.3 in it, and, and just AT4, and that's it, that vehicle's going to sticker for about 56 5 versus the ones that we are selling usually, which is like got a 62, got a roof, right. got a tech package, got all this entrails. stuff. And that vehicle's and it might even have performance exhaust. And that vehicle's going to sticker for like 64, 65, or like 10 grand more.
1: Right. Wow, yeah. So
2: then do these lower priced uh, more entry level, but they've got to have something to sell. And sure. when you talk about full size pickups that that arena is a little bit more tolerant of of, of lower cost or low, you know right. not not as heavy content.
0: But you also had mentioned the Denali's and the Denali consumer in my mind typically wants all that stuff. So it's a little bit of there's, a trade off there, right?
2: There, yeah. There's no question about that. In fact, you know, it, you basically everybody in the business knows like if you're ordering Denali's, you're checking every box, right? You know, you're putting everything you can possibly put on it because that's a customer that comes in and says, I, I want everything. Cause you're talking about a vehicle that's going to probably sticker for low eighties, so like you leave a few things off on it and it's like, okay, now it's like 78 grand. I mean, you know, <laughs> Might as well take out. those two <laughs> boxes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a, there's an ultimate package in the Denali XL. That's about an $11,000 package. that has got, you know, everything possible that you, you know, it's got the power steps. It's got, it's got everything possible. They have a sliding console, uh, in the front seat. Now that's a new option that seems to be pretty popular, but, uh, all of the, the, the tech stuff, the 360 camera stuff or whatever, you're still going to get backup cameras. You're still going to get in the SUVs. I will say this about the park assist I was mentioning on pickups where that is going away on a lot of it because they're maintaining that park assist and those blind zone alerts and those types of things for SUVs because they're way more necessary gotcha. in those vehicles than they are in a pickup. So Interesting. Um, they're, they're kind of playing a little bit of a shell game there about its supply and stuff. We also recently did a thing where if we're sending in, there are certain parts that we send in under warranty that actually have usable chips in them that the factory's getting in contact with us, send these back so we can take the chips out and build other cars. Wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> that is <laughs> getting to the point where basically you're robbing Peter to pay Paul at that point. Uh, that's- yeah. That's insane. So, basically, from a consumer standpoint, consumers should know that this is a nationwide issue. It's not just your dealership. It's not just uh, the dealerships in their hometown. It's it's affecting every dealership and pretty much every manufacturer. Uh, I've spoken to some GMs around, uh, general managers around town, uh, that still have more cars on the lot, and it was just planning on some strings that they could pull early on uh, but they said their time's coming so they know that they're about to get wiped out as well so it it really has been an interesting uh, just the optics of it driving by all these dealerships with empty lots has been kind of jarring even to me knowing what's going on
2: yeah and it's 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 set the market on its head i mean you know, when you stop selling new vehicles in the kind of volume that you are, then essentially you're shutting off the used car warehouse or the used car factory because you're not taking the trades. Yeah. So, and so then that supply is affected. So that used supply is affected. Well, if it's supply of the used goes down, demand stays the same, you know, prices go through the roof. I mean, I've just seen some insane numbers on. On used vehicles. But I will say this in the last two weeks, uh, I've seen that number head south a little bit uh, on the used. I think that's kind of reached its pinnacle. Um, it's a double edged sword right now buying a new car. Okay, I got to pay close to window sticker or sticker or even some really hard to find models people are charging over in
0: this. Right.
2: But on the other side, I'm getting some crazy number for my trade too. Right. So, I mean, so yeah, you kind of, it's a little bit of a trade-off there. I don't know if it's a that big of a trade-off, but uh, you know, uh, it's just crazy the kind of values I'm seeing on some of your stuff right now, especially if it's really nice and low models.
0: So, speak to that a little on, on the used market. So, your typical avenue for acquiring used vehicles, like you said, is dried up. You're not getting them on trades as much because you don't have as many new cars sitting on the lot. Um, so, what has that done for y'all? as far as acquiring more because that's essentially more or less where the inventory still sort of is whenever you drive past these lots is you see tons of used right. cars, but the new car side right. is empty.
2: Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to get them from the same sources as before. You know, we're a fairly conservative store. Um, I know there are some stores that are going out and paying some silly money for some stuff. I just would really caution them as you got to be careful because when it turns, it turns quick. Last first half of, uh, of June, we saw like, they used to call it NADA, but now NADA got bought by J.D. Powers. I guess they call it the J.D. Powers book now or whatever. <laughs> those, those values dropped about five grand across the board wow. in two weeks. And, but they've been going completely crazy before that. So that's all relative. And, and, and that's what we're concerned about is that, We know that we got a lot of full-size pickups inbound, a lot of inventory that's going to be here this summer. It's going to recover a little bit, and I think when that starts to happen, then you'll see those those used values go down a little bit more. You know, um, that's why a lot of people we've been selling a lot of vehicles where people might have been thinking about buying a used one and buying a new one. Yeah,
1: that's been my advice recently to to those who have been looking for a vehicle is. Go consider buying something new because, like you're saying, what we're given for trades right now is through the roof, and for the vehicles that are on the lot, you guys are desperate to move them as well. So, uh, it's mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a buyer's market, at least when it comes to the new vehicles.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think uh, you know it depends on the new. I mean, if you're talking about you know full size Yukon Denali with ultimate package or even General Motors HD products.
0: Right.
2: Uh, you know, that stuff is bringing a premium, so you mm-hmm. can probably expect you're going to be at MSRP or higher on that. Yeah. The mid-size SUV inventory I think is still going to be in pretty decent shape. A lot of, you know, the two that we carry that are made in the US is really important that those are, the Acadia and the Enclave, uh, those those are I think are going to be okay. Your overseas domestics, you know, like uh, Envision and uh, en- uh, Encore, the supply chain is a little disrupted there because it just takes so long to get them to the U.S. Yeah, and and they really need to. And in my opinion, I think they should adopt the the import strategy there, where just build cookie cutter cars, put them in port, let the dealers tag them as they need them, instead of waiting. On, you know. If I order a, let's say an Encore GX today and it's uh, July, right? So um, I'm not seeing that rig until December.
1: Holy smokes. Yikes.
2: It's so about a five months from the time I order it until it shows up. So a little tougher to manage your inventory in that kind of a window from production to, no being on the lot, and that wild.
0: little encore is their volume mover. So that's, that's tough. Yeah,
2: that's going to be, that's going to be the, the Buick volume car going fu- uh, future. They're still going to build the old body style encore briefly for a little while until it's just all about the encore TX. All right.
0: all right. Well, one last question as we, uh, roll into, uh, our closing segment is, uh, what do you see from your vantage point as the view on the horizon is, is there light, uh, coming where, where, and when should, uh, consumers kind of expect to start seeing a return to normalcy from what you can see?
2: Oh, you mean like a return to actually having more than one or two choices? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Right, yeah. So that way you can get picky on a color if you want to. Right. Yes. Yeah, I would say uh, it's probably going to be fourth quarter where you actually see some light. I don't see um, this. I think you know the demand will stay the same. I don't see those guys all of a sudden just flipping a switch and production went through the roof. I don't see that happening. There is a... New truck plant coming on line for General Motors, Oshawa, Ontario, which is going to be able to build. And that's coming here in the fourth quarter that they'll start production. And they're going to be able to build HD and light-duty pickups on the same plant. Nice. And so I think that's going to be a big boost for us. So, you know, really super, really kind of back to what people remember how it used to be when they'd go by and they'd see rows of cars. That's probably not until next calendar year at the first part.
1: Wow. My goodness.
0: And kind of to the same point, are y'all on an allocation? Do y'all have, is it just, uh, okay, order, uh, you've got this window to order and we'll try and get some out to you.
2: Well, everybody has to understand their system. General Motors has a very specific one where they truly manage day supply and they look at terms. So if dealer a is turning inventory quicker than dealer B He's gonna earn more inventory. Yeah. And so they look at specific time frames like we look like today, in fact, today is a snapshot day where they look at, okay, they take a snapshot of your inventory, what's your day's supply, and look at your turn rate, and then okay, this is how many you earned. And so, you know, that's gotta be managed at the dealer level to maximize how many units you're gonna get. Some dealers, if they don't look at that and they're kind of asleep at the wheel, they're going to lose because they're going to miss out on stuff. And one or two deliveries could make a difference in yeah. two or three or four pickups that they might have picked up in that particular week. So
1: wow.
2: you really got to you got to just really just get into the details of it now and just microscope the crap out of this and just really look at it harder than they've ever looked at it before, and and try to make the system you know make it work for us. Right.
0: Well, I spent 11 years in an analyst role for retail. So this stuff is very fascinating to me because it ties uh, my 11 years in analytics to my love of cars. And it's just been a very interesting story to watch unfold. It's been an unfortunate one to watch unfold because I don't like seeing empty dealer lots. I I don't like to see uh, the lack of choice uh, that consumers are facing right now. But uh, it's good to know that you are seeing glimpses of light at the end of the tunnel and that uh, we actually kind of have somewhat of a date to start looking for things being well, back to normal. Yeah, no,
2: and I think, too, you know, if I had one parting thing to say to folks that are listening, if you have time, time is your friend. You need time. You sit down with your local dealer, whoever it is. And give them the opportunity to order you a truck mm. or an SUV you know, and and have it on your own terms. Yeah. Because we have no issue handling that. It's easier for us to manage an order bank than it is uh, five trucks on the lot and seven internet inquiries about those trucks and 15 phone calls in that day (laughs) and put pressure on salespeople, like, who's going to sell it? Whoever gets money first.
1: Right. Good grief. So, pretty fun
0: time to be a car salesman uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we've got a segment to close us out here just to get us uh, a little more familiar with you as a person and just have a little fun with you, uh, as a thank you for coming on. And, uh, just like I said, to have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Uh, so it's a segment. I'll let Matt introduce it actually.
1: So this is a segment that uh, we kind of came up with. It's been a little over a year ago now, but it's called random misfire, right? It's the dreaded PO 300 engine code that comes up and you don't know what for sure what's wrong, but you know, something's not right. Uh, And it's based on engines having eight cylinders. So there's eight questions to it and it's just a fun, you know, either or this or that, yes or no kind of a thing. Um, And and like Corey mentioned, just to kind of have some fun to end out the conversation. So, Um, I'll start us off and, uh, and we'll just go back and forth. Corey and I will both ask you some questions. I know you're a GM guy, but I'm curious and, and if this needs to be off the record, I would understand (laughs) it, but would you choose a Wrangler or a Bronco?
2: I'd probably get a Wrangler.
0: Yes.
1: Okay. All right.
0: All right. So uh, I actually wrote down a couple bonus questions that aren't on our normal list that I figured I'd throw in here. But before I do, I'm going to ask my go-to question for the random misfire. And so I know you as a dealer probably have uh, better access to new vehicles than most other people. Um, So therefore, you probably have more uh, regular turnover in that category. But do you name your vehicles?
2: No. No?
0: <laughs> have you ever no. at any point in your life?
2: <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think I ever have. You know, and I've grown up. I've been in the, well, I started in the truck business in 1974 when my dad started a GMC dealership in North Dakota. Wow. So I've driven a lot of vehicles. And I, I guess maybe I just, you know, had have gone through quite a few of them. I know my wife might name her car from time to time, or my kids might do that. But I think, uh, yeah, you know, I'm probably the passionate side of vehicles like you guys are. Might be maybe some older ones, some ones from yesteryear or whatever. But otherwise, the same thing's kind of cool. I mean, I got into, uh, you know, sat, I haven't even driven the new C8. You know, we have a Chevrolet franchise in Canada. Yeah. I've, I've sat in one. But, you know, the customers that are paying for those, I feel it's, it's their right. They should be the first person right. that's pushing on the gas and driving those vehicles. But I have driven some ones we've taken in trade. In fact, took one in trade up there. It was like a 16 or something like that. Guy had it all crazy chipped out on the engine, tuned and everything, like 960 horsepower. Golly. Frightening. Frightening vehicle to drive. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Zero to a hundred, and I don't even know. It might have been three or four seconds. It Good was
1: ridiculous. Grief.
2: But you know, those are kind of fun things to do once in a while. But I can't see myself doing that all the time. Yeah. You know, like yeah. this is my daily driver every right. day. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right.
1: Uh, sweet tea or unsweet tea?
2: Sweet tea. I'm gonna sweet. probably put some lemon in it too because I'm a freaking Yankee from. Tastes <laughs> like wash water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it.
0: All right. So uh, as a GM guy, what is your favorite GM vehicle right now?
2: It's tough for me to get away from a pickup. You know, I'm in the Midwest and stuff up north in the ag country and stuff. And I think GMC just hit the ball out of the park with the AT4.
0: Mm. I know, agree they, with you on they, that. One.
2: They have always been so mundane, and I'll say it myself as a GM dealer, about let's get some aggressive look to your vehicle. Absolutely. Let's get it up a little bit. Let's put some, some factory, you know, their AT4 sub brand. Some of them are okay the full size SUV and the pickup, but the other ones are basically embroidery and just an appearance package. Yeah. And I think it's a
0: shame is, what they've done there. <laughs>
2: But uh, I'd say, yeah, that's uh, right now. uh, It's tough for me to to not like a pickup. Yeah.
0: So to that end, I I will say what Jeep has done with the Trailhawk uh, sub brand is really proof that GMC could really make something work Mm. along those same lines with the AT4. They just got to not cheap out and do the, you know.
2: In yeah part, right? <laughs> put, a, put a suspension on it put some tires on yeah, it you know yeah. they're going to do an at4 terrain that's a perfect example yeah. would be a competitor with the nighthawk and, and you know that same that subcompact uh, suv type deal yeah you know
1: nice needs right. okay. to happen so along the off-road uh, vein of things do you prefer off-road or on-road driving
2: I would say that has changed over the years as I'm uh, like getting seen more older and stuff. I probably am, you know, but back in the day when I was a kid, yeah, it was about, I used to have a, like a 70 international scout orange nice. short deal that was the baddest four wheel drive rig. I mean, I'm a GMC guy and this thing would go through anything oh. and some sand hill or whatever up with the lakes in Minnesota there. And these guys were giving me a brash and a crap. Butt. No one can climb that hill. <laughs> <laughs> it took me like three or four times and I almost cracked the frame in half, but I finally got up the hill. But
1: that's yeah, awesome. all that
2: throwing stuff, that's just a ton of fun, especially when you're a young guy and stuff and just, just seeing what kind of trouble you can get in. But the, as you're older or whatever, it's really tough to replace exhilarating acceleration
1: yeah that's
2: you know just throwing you in the back of your seat craziest vehicle i ever drove is probably and actually i just read something that clint eastwood has one uh i think it's a 92 gmc typhoon which was the cousin for the for the gmc cyclone which was all-wheel drive four three twin turbo just a wild machine awesome and and, and we got one at the GMC store we had in North Dakota, this this Typhoon, and it was insane. It was just like, there's no, it's all-wheel drive, so there's no spin in the tires. It just yeah, is throwing just you goes. in the back of the seat, you know? <laughs> well, that's awesome.
0: I miss those days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, echoing a little bit my last question, uh, favorite new uh, or Favorite GM vehicle of all time. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll okay. rephrase it. Favorite. You, you may have already touched on it with that Cyclone.
2: Well, I might be. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that. And, and, you know, also, I would say the first um, vehicle that I ever drove as a guy just getting his driver's license, 1976 GMC Sprint. Oh. The El Camino Sister. With the air ride rear suspension, 350 yeah. engine, regular turbo hydromatic, 350 automatic transmission, and with the uh, with the buckets that swing out, so when you want to get out, you turn your seat yeah. and, and face outward and get in. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that. was uh, that was a really a great vehicle to drive.
1: That's awesome. They just
0: don't make cool cars like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: too cool. All
1: right, uh, this one will be a little. Different kind of a question, but I feel like I must. Would Would you rather a CVT or an EV? Hey. If you had to have one, which one are you putting up with?
2: I'm probably putting up with the EV.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean... I just can't get my head around the CBT. I just it's just I just can't understand it. It's an enigma for me to under. I guess yes. I got to look at a parts book explosion of it or something yeah. to try to figure out exactly how does it work?
1: Absolutely. I've had more than one person ask me <laughs> about it and it's it's yeah, it's very <laughs> difficult to explain. Yeah.
2: Right. You so, know, and I like the the electric vehicle plug-in piece, the the torquiness and all that stuff is kind of fun. It's fun to drive or whatever. You know, this whole electric thing is getting really wild in the conversation mm-hmm. where people are acting like, you know, like we're going to be all plugging in our cars next week. This is the grid isn't giving you to handle this yet. This is, nope. this is way down the road. Oh, you yeah. Know? I mean, you know, think about this in, in comparison. I was just having this conversation with somebody today, okay? And you think about all the diesels that are out there nowadays, right?
0: Yeah, right.
2: And, and and I think about when I was, like, 20 years old working on my dad's dealership, right? And this is 1980. And General Motors has got, like, the worst thing ever that they've launched, which is the 5.7 diesel conversion. <laughs> you know, the 350 engine that they made into a diesel, right?
1: Oh yeah. No. Then
2: they go to the six too. and the six, and it, so I mean, think about you know where we were in diesel back. Then. It's nineteen eighty. Yeah. Till probably really the nineties and, and two thousand or whatever, and beyond before they really kind of it took hold. And that so that's 10, 20 years.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: You know, so you think about fuel platforms and things like that. So it's going to be a while.
1: Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah.
0: So to that end, while we're talking EVs, GM's got kind of a cool one coming out where you don't really have to uh, exactly determine on-road or off-road because it could do both and have crazy performance in both. Do you all have any Hummer EVs slated to arrive at your dealerships anytime soon?
2: Um, I think it's going to be super low numbers. I would talk to it. You know, Duncan Aldridge is the guy that's the president of uh, GMC. And and we have... uh, EV hummer calls all the time. We just went through our assessment to determine how many charging stations we got to have, how many outside the store for customers. And these are all stages that we have to be compliant in. our stage of where we're at at a fairly uh, larger volume. Buick GMC dealer is we got to be compliant by like September 30th to have our charging stations and stuff in. So that means the end of this year, fourth quarter, really super low production numbers you might see we might get one wow by the end of this year maybe one or two and then they'll start going through our reservation list and they'll start peeking out stuff i think it'll be probably this time next year before you're driving around and you see one not on a daily basis but more like a weekly basis or even bi-weekly something like that that frequent yeah yeah Well, uh,
0: selfish plug here, but if you could, you know, give us a call when that first one shows up, we'll we'll do a quick walk around for our YouTube channel and uh, be out of your hair in in just under an hour, but uh, that's side note, side note. So, uh, okay, last question, and we'll close out with this one. Ooh, there's so many good ones to choose from. Uh, Just because we're adding to our list, favorite car movie of all time.
2: Probably the original "Gone in 60 Seconds."
0: All right, okay, good taste. The good one taste.
2: that I actually probably saw as a teenager in the movie theater and stuff—that was just purely a car chase. The entire yeah. movie.
1: Yep.
0: I mean, that—that's <laughs> all you had to do to make a good movie, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forget the story; I, just <laughs> you, you've got to have a few beats in between this car chase and that car chase. Right. <laughs> so this, this is right.
2: probably. And then, and then the car's all beat up, and then he goes through the car wash, steals another one. It's the same exact car. It's all brand new. It comes out. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> That's right. I, this is probably a heresy for saying it, but I have a copy of that movie on DVD, unfortunately. Yeah. Not VHS. It's yeah. DVD. But I do have a copy of that one. I really like that movie. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on so much. It has been a blast, uh, especially going through these random misfire questions, getting to know you a little bit better personally, but it's also been fun being able to shed a little bit of light on what seems to be a very big mystery for a lot of our listeners and our friends around the city. Uh, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for helping uh, shed that light uh, for consumers and for our listeners.
2: It's been my pleasure. I will tell you, People in the business. My warranty administrator is talking to me this this afternoon in the office. She didn't even know what what's going on with the, all the car, the inventory. She she doesn't even know. She works at the dealership, you know. So there's a ton of people. And like I said, all the uh, you know most common question that people go, you know, where's all the cars? Where, where are they? <laughs> yep.
0: yep. So if you want to check out. Monte's inventory head on over to hallhasitall.com and you can see what he's got in stock. And like he said earlier, it, spend some time with the dealer, talk to him, uh, get on their order list because like you said, right? That's that's the best way.
2: Exactly. And, and I will say this, as soon as something's built, even if we don't have pictures, it's on our website. Wow. As soon as as soon as it's out of the plant and it's in transit, it's on our site. Awesome. So Um, You know, it's just got to kind of call for availability. We're trying to develop a new landing page, too, that is going to show inventory that we have on order. So that way people can kind of get even higher up that that funnel as far as if, okay, I see here's an AT4, a white one. This is what I want. You know, put your name on that. That's cut off a couple, three more weeks, at least, you know. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, I, I, I don't think I can say it enough, but I'll say it one more time. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you. Well, it was great to uh, be on with you guys, and uh, happy motoring.
0: All right, Matt. That was a good one.
1: That was a great conversation. I'm
0: I'm very, very, very glad that uh, Monty decided to come on with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, As we said in the episode, you can check out their website and see what is in inventory for them, as well as what is on order for them at hallhasitall.com.
1: And like, like he mentioned, they're working on a, a page where the things that are in queue, the things that are in order, Right. Uh, they're, they're working towards that to have that up on their website soon. So uh, be checking back there. If there's something specific that you're after and you're okay waiting a little while for it, you don't have to have something right now, Right. holler at them. Say, hey, this is kind of yeah. what I'm thinking. This Start is, that you know, conversation. Right. Just, And it may be that they have something on the lot. Right. Or it may be that they can work something out where they could get it to you in a few weeks or a couple of months instead of a half a year from now. <laughs> right.
0: And me, the GM fanboy, and, you know, talking about a GM lot with some uh, GMC vehicles that right. are really desirable. Buick's rolling out some pretty awesome stuff as well. But if you go to our YouTube channel right now, there should be a head-to-head comparison with a Buick versus a Mazda. Is that is that what we drove head-to-head? I think so, Buick yeah. versus Mazda on that one? I, I think it I think it was.
1: Our fans should fact-check us and go check it out and tell us yes. that we're wrong. That's... So,
0: youtube.com slash GT Garage Talking. You can check out all of our car reviews, and we're looking to have more just to continue our partnership with Monty and... Bu- if it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I don't speak for a living, but, uh, our partnership with Monty and in doing some awesome walk arounds on their lot, but very much looking forward to, uh, that conversation and, uh, having more and more content for you on our YouTube channel. If you haven't, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, go on and subscribe to that channel, ring the bell, make sure you don't miss any of our new videos Uh, As we've got more coming out, I've got, I've got a fun little trip uh, up to Chicago for, you know, Chicago auto show coming up fairly soon. So just a uh, little show. Yeah, just a little. So you'll definitely want to go find us on YouTube and subscribe, ring that bell so that you don't miss those when I get them published and uploaded to YouTube. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what we got.
1: Is that what we're hitting?
0: Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you go I'll on hit and the hit button. the button? So uh, to that point, HallHasItAll.com uh, for their inventory and what they've got on order. GTGaragetalk.com for everything that we are into, what we're driving. And until next time, bye.